Hey guys, you're listening to episode 9 of the Finish Line podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we're going to be answering some listener questions about managing an inconsistent income. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the show. My name is Cody Hobelman, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Keelan. Today, we have another Q&A episode where we're going to try to answer some questions from our community of listeners about setting a financial finish line. We have a great question about managing an unpredictable income. Many people who are in sales, contracting, or even self-employed may operate without a steady, consistent paycheck every two weeks, and we want to share our thoughts on how those people can still implement a finish line thoughtfully and wisely. Before we get started, I just want to remind you about our finish line sprints. If you've been getting a lot out of this podcast and you're looking for a way to take it to the next level, then you should consider starting or joining a sprint. A sprint is a guided program for small groups meant to lead you through the overarching biblical themes related to wealth and money while allowing you to explore the restored freedom and purpose that comes with choosing a financial finish line. The sprint guide is completely free and available on our website at finishlinepledge.com sprint. Sprints are also completely self-led, so you don't need a trained leader or someone who's even been through the program before. All you need are a couple friends to get started. So check it out and get a group together today. And with that, let's get started. Hey, Keelan, I'm really excited to tackle this listener question this week, which is, I have a regular income. How should I approach choosing a finish line? And as I started thinking about different situations where someone might have an unpredictable or irregular stream of income throughout the year, I thought of several situations where this might apply. Some of those are seasonal work, gig-based work, commission-based compensation, someone who gets a large bonus maybe at the end of the year that makes up a lot of their income, or someone who has multiple jobs throughout the year. And I think for all of these people, we could probably speak to how having a finish line can alleviate some of the questions they might have, eliminate some of the decisions they have to make as far as income and spending goes. But I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. I know you have some personal experience with irregular income streams. Yeah, I I really appreciate this question because I think that it actually comes up a lot as a significant barrier for some people who think, you know, if I knew exactly what my income was going to be every month, then I'd be happy to get on board with with setting a finish line. But, you know, I'm self-employed. I own my own business or something like that. And and I just can't predict exactly what my income is going to be every year. And so I can't set a finish line. Or I have multiple jobs. I don't even know which jobs I might have throughout this year. And so I don't have a stable enough situation to choose a finish line. And so I just really appreciate being able to kind of talk through this question with you, because I think we can clarify a lot of that confusion. So the way that I see things, I think that we can kind of break this up into a couple main sections. The first, there's there's just some general kind of personal finance advice for how to handle an irregular income at all. And, and you can find that wisdom in any a number of resources through the internet or through other financial planners, etc., uh, and so I think it'd be good for us to just talk through a couple of those strategies and what people are doing in that sense. Then there's a question of how should I actually go about selecting a finish line, which is the main question here that was brought up. 
and we can kind of tackle that. And then after that, there's really two categories of people. There's going to be people who, with an irregular income, are earning less than their finish line, and they're going to have one set of strategies. And then there's people who are going to be earning more than their finish line and have some excess. And so they're going to have a different set of strategies. So we can talk about each of those groups of people and flush out kind of what their life might look like, or at least offer some suggestions. So with that, why don't we start off with just some general advice from the personal finance realm about you know, how should you handle an irregular income, whether that's seasonal work, working multiple jobs, self-employment, owning your own business, something like that. So what are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, the first one is maybe the most important, and it's something we've talked about before. It's that emergency fund, and you'll hear recommendations, save three months of your living expenses, or maybe even more. We think for someone who has a somewhat unpredictable or uneven level of income throughout the year, the emergency fund becomes even more important. And I'd recommend actually saving up to six months of living expenses in cash in your bank account. And that will really prevent you from getting thrown off course by something unexpected. And that's really the main goal is just to stay on course and come up with a system that's going to be sustainable for you over a long period of time. Yeah, I definitely agree. Emergency fund with quite a bit saved up is going to be a major shield and protector from all of the variability that comes through the year with an irregular income like these situations we just talked about. I should point out, you know, for Ali and me, I make a set income salary and paid by the hospital. And Ali is a photographer. So her income is completely commission based. Any work that she books, she gets paid for. And that those payments come in at all kind of random times of year. And obviously, as a wedding photographer, her work is very seasonal. So she has definite peak seasons and then uh, much lower seasons as well. So her situation perfectly fits into the irregular income deal. But that being said, our combined income has a pretty steady baseline through my income. And so even though I would consider us to have a fairly irregular income over the course of the year, we actually only save, you know, maybe three months or so of an emergency fund because a lot of our month-to-month budget is funded by my steady income, and it's really only the last bit of our budget that comes from her irregular income. So just one nuance to consider as you're looking at your whole family situation. But for another family whose predominant income is irregular, I agree completely that you want probably closer to five, six months of emergency fund, just because you don't know how long the next dry season might be. And, and you need to be prepared for that so that you don't get yourself into trouble. Yeah. And in working with clients, I've actually seen scenarios where self-employed people have a high level of comfort with putting a lot of expenses on credit cards. And sometimes that works out, but it can really get you in trouble if that peak season isn't quite the peak that you were expecting. And you're carrying a large credit card balance, generating incredible amounts of interest it can really get you underwater quickly. And I think that's a situation that everyone wants to avoid. But what are your thoughts on credit cards? Yeah, I think I would side with a lot of the traditional advice of basically never carrying a balance on a credit card. And like I said, we have fruitful months and dry months throughout the year. We never carry anything on credit. Basically, we just plan ahead and make sure that 
we're putting enough away during the profitable months to get us through the dry months. And that's what we're talking about with this extended emergency fund. And that's what I would strongly recommend for anybody else with a heavily irregular income is it's much more worth your time to put the the thought and effort into developing a system where you can spread that income out over the year. Really, the best case scenario is if you can get some kind of ballpark for what you would expect your total income to be for all of your jobs and gigs and commissions or bonuses, whatever sources of income you have, divide that by 12 and use that as your guide for what you should have available for the year monthly. And then in any given month, I would not spend more than that. If you're making a lot more than that amount in one month, then you know that you're going to be needing that in a dry month down the line. And so I think in an ideal situation, that would be what I would recommend is to take that total annual income and divide it up by 12 throughout the year. Right. And this is something that I have been thinking a lot about lately. Steph is a teacher and she earns a salary for nine months out of the year and has the summer off. But that means she's not getting paid throughout the summer either. So she actually is a swim coach during the summer. So for June and July, she's earning income from her swim coaching. And then August, she doesn't have a salary, but she does swim lessons and babysitting and, you know, gig type jobs that generate some income. So the summers cause some variability in our income. And we've managed that for a couple of years, but I became aware that she actually has the option as a teacher to spread her income out over 12 months. Obviously, every paycheck is going to be a little bit less, but over the course of a year, it's the same amount of money. And that option to spread it out actually has become really appealing to us because it just is fewer decisions to make and fewer adjustments to make throughout the year. And it keeps us on track and on schedule with our personal expenses and our ability to make any debt payments and to continue with any giving commitments that we've made. So another recommendation I'd have is just be really aware of all of the options available to you as far as compensation. And I know for a lot of the people that are listening, that may not be an option, but I just found out about it after Steph's been teaching for a few years. So it's worth looking into. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And there's probably more jobs that offer that kind of structure than than we realize. I think probably a lot of school systems and teacher-type positions may offer that kind of structure, and people should definitely consider taking advantage of that when it's available. For people who don't have that kind of option, I think you can kind of create that same kind of option by just some thoughtful setting up of your bank accounts. And that's you know goes along hand-in-hand with what we were talking about with the emergency fund. But basically, if you know how much you're going to make for the year and you have divided that up, you know how much you should be able to spend each month, then you can basically have kind of a a bank account that's your pot of money where you're putting in the income and spreading that out with your spending over the month. So even though you have maybe more during the school year when there's more predictable income coming in, you're not spending all of that during that time, but you're allowing that pot to continue to grow so that during the summer or whenever the low time is, then you have the money put away already to get through those seasons. And through that, I think you can kind of create that same structure on your own. Yeah, that's a great point. I do want to take a second and 
talk about how you handle tithing when you have a regular income. For me, I have a steady paycheck. And for most of the year, Steph has a steady paycheck. And we can pretty accurately estimate our future income, at least on a monthly basis, figure out what 10% is. And that's the tithe. But if you can't do that, how would you handle tithing? Yeah, so we actually do have this situation in our own life. And before I get into that, I just want to make the point that, you know, at least you and I do consider tithing different than we consider the the giving of the excess above our finish line, etc. I personally feel a responsibility to always be supporting my local church, because if you think about it, the local church is only sustained on the tithes of its members. There's no other source of income that's supporting our churches. So for Allie and me, we always, whether we're above or below our finish line, always commit to putting that 10% away of our income to supporting our local church. And so for me, with a steady income, direct deposit, all the normal stuff, it's really easy. We have a separate bank account for our money that's going to tithe and the hospital I work for actually allows us to divide our direct deposit into two separate accounts. And so I have 10% automatically go to that tithing account and the other 90% comes to our main income checking account. And so that's basically as easy as it can get. And for anybody with a regular kind of direct deposit income, I think that's a good system to use. Allie, like I said, has a completely irregular, pseudo-unpredictable income, and she owns her own business. So she has the, the added factor of, of having a whole separate business account where all of her business finances go through. And so for her, any income that she gets from her business or from her clients goes directly into her business account. And then on kind of an irregular basis, whenever that account builds up to a certain amount, she will transfer an amount over from her business account into our main income checking account, our personal one. And any time that she makes that transfer from business to personal, she takes 10% out at that time and puts it directly into our tithing account. So in the same kind of way as when my income comes in, 10% is automatically pulled off. She's just doing that manually anytime she's actually transferring that money over. And I think that you could easily do that with just about any kind of irregular income job. When that money comes in, just do 10% at the time that it's coming into your personal account and just put that right into a tithe account. I know a lot of churches allow you to set kind of a monthly auto pay for your tithe. So this does kind of mess that up because you're the money coming in for you to tithe is coming in at kind of random amounts. And so it does kind of mess up your auto pay tithe if you have that kind of a thing set up already. For Allie and me, we we don't have that set up. We kind of just every four or five weeks transfer over whatever's in our tithing account to our church. And I don't know how that affects the church finances. I'm sure it's probably better for them to get you know a steady weekly amount. But at least for us, that that helps us to know Whenever random income is coming in, we're faithfully putting 10% of that aside. And even if we forget to give it to the church for two or three months, it's always going into that designated account that we have. And so whether it gets there in a month or in three months, 
it's all going to the church at some point. And I think that just helps us accounting wise, keep everything straight. Right. And I think your system for tithing is somewhat a matter of preference. For me, I like to eliminate the process of making decisions every time. And for you, your system is a little more manual and you don't use the auto pay. But I think you'd agree the most important thing is to create a process where you don't get thrown off track. Yeah. And whichever those systems you have, whether it's an auto pay kind of deal or whether you have a separate bank account for your tithe. Yeah. I think the important thing to remember about that is, is if you have that same conviction about supporting your local church with a tithe, then it's important to know that that money, when it comes in, is designated to go right back out right away. Because when you when you allow it to come in and feel like it's yours to spend on anything, and then have to then make the decision to give it away, I think it adds kind of an emotional factor to it where you're then parting with it. But like I said, where we have ours direct deposit automatically split, or anytime Allie transfers money over, it just happens right right at that time. We never really consider that money ours or like we had control over it. It was, it was always going to go. And so it's it's never you, there's never an emotional factor to it, which I think is very helpful, like you said, when you have to do this over and over and over to take that out of it. So I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about the process of choosing a finish line for these people who have an unpredictable or inconsistent income throughout the year. In episode four, we talked about how to choose a finish line, and that's something our listeners can go back and listen to if they haven't already. But as you mentioned before with Ali's situation, there's a lot of extra layers. There's business accounts, there's taxes, there's an added level of complexity when your income fluctuates throughout the year. So how is choosing a finish line different for someone in that situation? Yeah, great question. And I think that's the heart of the listener's question that they sent in. And my answer to that would be, it's not different at all. And to explain that answer, I think we need to come back to some of the core ideas that we've talked about a number of times on the Finish Line podcast. The first and most important of those ideas is the idea that all of the money that comes through our hands has never belonged to us, and it never will belong to us. It all belongs to God, and it is His now. It always will be His. And we know that to be true. God created the entire world and all of creation. And so money is is just a very small subset of that. It It all belongs to Him. And so when you have that baseline, then when you look at what we're doing with the money we have, you can kind of think of us as managers. You know, God gives each of us however much we have however much comes through our hands, and we're responsible for what we do with that. To some people, he gives a lot, and to others, he gives just a little. But we're responsible for what we do with whatever he gives us. And this comes right back to the parable of the talents, where the master gives the first servant five talents and tells him to steward that while he's gone. Then he gives the next servant two talents and tells him to steward that. And then he gives the last servant one talent and tells him to steward that. And they all do different things with that. And, you know, we've, we can get into that another time. But the point is, God gives us all different amounts for whatever reason. And we're responsible for what we do with it. And so what we say with the finish line pledge is that you should not be asking the question, how much of what I have should I give back to God? 
because it's already his, you should be asking, how much of what God has put in my control do I need to use on myself and my own cost of living to support myself and my family so that I can use everything else for God's kingdom and and to love and support others, my neighbors, my community. And that's the whole beauty of a finish line is you're basically making that decision. I need this amount to live on. It's your manager's fee for what God has asked you to manage. And after that fee, after that finish line, everything else can be used to invest in God's kingdom. So when you have that framework, then you start to realize it actually doesn't matter what your income is at all, whether it's a regular income or an irregular income or no income at all. You know, I could say I have a salary of a million dollars or I have a salary of $20,000. And I could say I make that evenly through the 12 months of the year or I make that all in one month of the year. It doesn't really change how I answer that question to God of how much do I need to support myself and my family. What does change is whether I have enough income to be above that finish line or whether I'm still below that finish line. You know, I might say my family needs $80,000 a year to live on. If my salary is above that, then I have excess to give. If my salary is below that, then I don't have as much to give. And so an irregular income might change over the course of the year, the seasons that you have excess to give and the seasons that you don't. But I don't think it changes that core fundamental question of how much do I need for myself and my family to live on. Yeah, and I do think a lot of these basic strategies that we talked about earlier in the episode do apply to both groups of people, those who are below the finish line and those who are above the finish line. And by the way, the parable of the talents is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. But I do want to take a few minutes here and talk about how having a finish line comes into play for these two groups that we're talking about. So for people earning less than their selected finish line, I think it's actually more important to have that finish line in place when you do have a regular income. What are your thoughts on that group? Yeah, I I agree completely. And the reason I agree with that is because for somebody with a, a stable W-2 job, you make the same amount every other week on your paycheck. It's a very predictable kind of life and you're able to really adjust to that income. You know, if your finish line is below that, you're able to kind of see how that all fits together. If your finish line is above that, you know how much you're going to have every month, etc. For somebody with an irregular income, you are more susceptible to having dry seasons where income is much more tight and we've touched on that a little bit already. But you're also more susceptible to having kind of windfall seasons where you go two or three months with a huge influx of income. And also, you are more likely than somebody with a regular income to have a surprising increase in income over the course of one year. And, you know, you could just look at my job and Allie's job as a perfect example. If you looked at my income for the last five years, it goes up by the same 2% or whatever every year. And it's just a very slow, steady, predictable income over that time. If you look at Allie's income over the last five years, it shoots up and shoots down. Each year is a totally different situation based on, you know, you look at the last year, COVID was not a good year for wedding photographers. And so that significantly affected her business. 
At the same time, she's had years where she just booked a whole lot more weddings than she expected for whatever reason. And so that's why I think it's so much more important to have a finish line so that if you actually do make much more than you're expecting, you have already thought ahead to answer that question of how much do I really need for my own life and, my, and to support myself and my family. If you have not thought that through with a lot of intentionality and, and talked it through with your spouse and are all on the same page, then when that sudden influx of money comes in, I guarantee you that you will find a place for it quickly. Whether that's spending it and upgrading your lifestyle or whether that's putting it all immediately away into retirement or whatever that is, you know, they're spenders and they're savers and everybody kind of leans towards one or the other. But regardless, you will find a place for it. If you have a finish line in place, then when you get to that point, even if it comes suddenly and surprisingly, you already have a plan in place for what you're going to do over a certain income. You're going to begin to invest in God's kingdom with everything over X. And that's why I think it's even more important. Right. I think that's a really good point. So what about people who are earning more than their selected finish line? Yeah. So for somebody making an irregular income, once they have begun to earn over the course of a year more than their finish line, I think the whole process of handling an irregular income becomes a lot easier. We notice this in our lives, Ali and me, because like I said, our finish line is a little bit more than my income. So we rely on all of my income and then some of Allie's income. But after that, everything else is, is going to be considered excess to be given away and, and used. And so because of that, a lot of this variability that we were talking about earlier about having to plan for the dry months and increase the size of your emergency fund and all of these different factors matter a little bit less to us because we're giving a lot of that excess money away anyway. So we don't need to carefully structure our budget and all of these things to take that into consideration. And so once you're over the finish line, it actually gets much easier because that kind of variability peak of the graph, if you were to kind of look at your income graph over the course of the year, you're kind of drawing a line right down the middle of that graph horizontally and giving all those peaks away. And so it, it kind of stabilizes things out, if that makes sense. Hopefully that doesn't confuse people even more. I think another aspect of having irregular income when you're over your finish line is the timing of when you're doing your giving, because some months you're going to have excess and other months you may not. So Steph and I have different forms of giving throughout the year. Sometimes it's sporadic and seemingly random and other times, it's just a monthly commitment that we know we can predict, and it's an unchanging amount. But for someone who has a peak season or a, a dry season in terms of income, they're probably going to be handling giving differently throughout the year. And I think that's totally fine. And it's something that you can kind of mentally think through. And there's going to be times where you're looking for opportunities to bless people. And there's going to be other times where you're taking care of your financial house and you're paying your bills and trying to get through to the next peak season. And that's something that, again, comes down to personal preference in terms of financial management. 
So hopefully that's helpful for helping anybody out there with an irregular income, small business, multiple jobs throughout the year, seasonal work, et cetera, all these kind of situations. Think about selecting a finish line, which again, we said really shouldn't be any different than anybody else. And then how do they actually approach that functionally through the year by structuring their life and their finances for somebody earning less than that finish line and somebody earning more than that finish line. And of course, this very well may just bring up more questions for you. And if it does, send them to us because we'd love to dig in deeper and get into more specifics. So, you know, if you found this helpful and you'd like to hear more about a specific situation, just shoot us a message and we'd be happy to cover it on a future episode. Before we wrap things up, I wanted to share our manager minute for the day. As you might recall, every week we try to share one solid tip or idea for something you can give to right now. We spend all this time talking about finding a financial finish line and setting aside all the excess to use on others or towards God's kingdom. And this is just one practical way to do that. Tip your postal worker. If you're anything like me, it seemed like you had packages delivered to your doorstep every 10 minutes throughout December. And giving a tip is just one great way to express your appreciation. So give your postal carrier a gift card to say thanks. Just something to keep in mind, the USPS has actually set a limit at $20 for what their postal workers can accept as tips or gift cards. And that's our minute for today. If you ever have a suggestion for what people can be giving to in order to impact the people around them, their communities, or the world, we'd love to hear about it. So send us a message. Thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Send us any questions you have, and we'll answer them on one of our future episodes. And if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 9. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.